Praise the Lord. So look at the cover of your outline, Luke chapter 22, and I want to talk just always remember. It says, And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were said, being said about him. And Simon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that the thoughts of, from many hearts may be revealed. The message, the Amplified Bible says it like this, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, this is happening on the eighth day when they took Jesus in to be given and, and circumcised at that moment. Behold, his child is appointed, and this child is appointed and destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is spoken against. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the secret thoughts and purposes of many hearts may be brought out and disclosed. This is amazing that still today that, that the sign of the cross is still being spoken again. It's amazing that, that the life of Christ, but it's amazing still how the life of Christ still exposes hearts today. Look inside your outline, if you would, with me. See, last week we remembered the Lord's death and His making of covenant with us, with God on our behalf of all mankind. We received communion together, which declares that we have a common union together in Christ. And we are the children of God accepted and received in the beloved of God. And so for you and I, we remember that we're called remember when, when, when we take communion. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember what I have done for you. So it's important to remember the things that assure us in the promises of God. Because like I said, suddenly happens. So when it suddenly happens, how do you respond? How, 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 where will you go? Where will you find strength? So in times like whether it's a 9-11, where, where it is a health issue like we're praying for this morning, whether it is a, a, a sudden car coming out of nowhere. I remember when I was 17, uh, I was a junior in high school. I was on my way to school. I, I'd, I'd rebuilt this little Volkswagen. And uh, so I'm driving to school. And I came around this turn uh, in uh, Central Valley, California, up there by Reddy. I come around this turn, and there's a little side street that comes in, and this lady just ran the stop sign, and I broadsided her in my little Volkswagen, and uh, I go three-quarters of the way through the windshield and come out, and I land, and I'm sitting down there, and, and uh, I have a, uh, you wonder why one eye is high, I, you guys are like, what's the matter with these eyebrows? <laughs> uh, well... <laughs> I went through a windshield, <laughs> and uh, so uh, I had 280 stitches in my forehead, and uh, so I, I, I went over to the gas station, and I walk over there, and uh, the guy looks at me, and he says, whoa, you need to sit down. So I sat down, and this big pool of blood just started running out of the ground. I said, well, I sit here. I'll die sitting here like that. So I go in the bathroom, I get a bunch of paper towels, I put them on my head, and then I look, I go, man, this, this isn't good. And uh, so suddenly, I go through a windshield suddenly things happen, and we face those, and what happened, you'd think suddenly I would have got saved, but suddenly I stayed in rebellion for another eight years. So, <laughs> remember. But see, for us, we live in a world that seems to forget and does its best 
at times to even reject the love of God. We must remember and carry in our hearts an expectation of seeing the fulfillment of the promises He has made and will fulfill. In the worst of times, they can become the fertile soil that causes God's Word to bloom forth in our day. Even in the worst of times, in hard times, God can cause something great to blossom out of that. We'll see that as we move forward. We know Tuesday night we started this lesson on covenant. And even in that, if we miss, it's so easy for us to shrink our lives down and, and live just small. But let me just, Tuesday night, if you look over here, some of you say, well, what in the world is that? Well, this morning to you, it looks crazy. But if you were here Tuesday night, you know exactly what this means. You know that this broad line over here represents the beginning of time where Jesus declared, I am the Alpha, the beginning. And then over here, this represents the end of time where he declares, I am the Omega. But you know that God does not have a beginning or an end, but he is the one who orchestrated time. And in time, he, before time, he declared that he made an everlasting covenant and the redemption plan. And it started before our time began. And so in this space of time, he is revealing his everlasting covenant. And you would know that these little parentheses here mean that in each generation to Adam and to Noah and to Abraham and to David and to the prophets and then to Christ, all is fulfilled. And in each each space of time in each age, he reveals the whole plan. And then in Christ, the everlasting covenant and the plan of redemption is completely revealed in him. But we each have our own little space inside of one of those ages. But we forget that inside that age, we're living in a time, in a, in a time space that is in a God who is eternal. And, 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 and that gentleman yesterday, he suddenly passed away, but his life didn't end. He went from here into eternity. How many know what I'm saying? And so this is all involved in that. And God has declared these things, and he declared before this began, before time began, God declared His covenant. And so the word that you and I hold in our hand, the redemptive plan of God was declared beforehand. And we see it coming to pass. And so when you look back and you remember that God spoke in this generation, and this generation, and this generation, and this generation, that everything He has spoken has come to pass, that when you're going through a time that you don't understand, you look back and you remember, God has spoken it, He has declared it, it will come to path. I may not understand it. It is a suddenly, it is an unknown thing in my time. But God is still God. His word is still true and it's still going to come to pass. Amen? And so you stand in assurance with God. See, when tragedy strikes, faith will arise as our anchor. Hope will sustain us and love will empower us to endure. Because He brings triumph out of tragedy. Watch this first clip if you
Amen. I love the 9-11 memorials you saw there in the clip of the cross out of that rubble of those beams that are there and that we picked that up and we put that up. Thank God for that, that they didn't listen to the people who wanted to take that down. Because that cross declares that even in that crumb, even in that destruction, even in there, we look to that cross and it reminds us that faith is there, that hope is still alive, and that love will prevail. Amen? Praise the Lord. So I'm excited about that. And uh, when we look at, but remembering is so important. Remembering is so important and holding on to those truths. See, we are alive in a day and in a country where people who have the freedom to worship God seem to want to forget who God is. What He has done, what He has said, what He will do for those who love and seek Him with all of their hearts. My definition of history is this, both natural and biblical, that it is a record of man who often goes stupid on himself. Amen. How many have ever seen your kids heading in a direction and say, hey, don't do that, that's going to turn out bad. And they say, well, how do you know, who do you think you are? I just have history with that. I've been there, done that, know what's going to happen. Amen? And, and so we, we know that, that, that history, proves. we just tell them, say, you know what, we did that, your grandparents did that, your great-grandparents did that, Methuselah did that. It never worked out well. <laughs> Amen? But we choose to go stupid on ourselves. For in history, we find the record of something that began well, Ending bad. Yet if you look closely enough, you can still find that when men goes down, God shows up. That's the coolest thing. When you read your Bible, you read about the nation. Every time they went down, God showed up. He shows up in our life. And we need to remember that. Yes, we need to remember what happened. We need to learn from history lest we repeat the mistakes of the past. But we also need to remember that in every downtime, we need to remember the testimony and the victory that God brought and raised up out of the ashes. What looked like defeat, what looked like rubble, what looked like couldn't be done. That's why you read the book of Nehemiah. Here the city is in a rubble. God moves upon one heart. And out of the rubble, they build the wall stronger than it ever was before. And in a time that it looked like despair, there was no answer, there was no aid. In the midst of that time, God showed up, moved on a pagan king to provide the resources and make it happen to rebuild his wall. God will always show up if we remember him in our time of tragedy. Somebody ought to say amen. So think about it in this area. This is what we must remember and hold on to a heart of expectation. The Lord Jesus was born in one of the worst periods of Israel's history. If you read back and look at their time, they were under an oppressive pagan occupation by Rome. Their history and heritage have become an amalgamation of every kind of twisted belief and concept due to 400 silent years of no true prophetic voice. From Malachi to John the Baptist, there was no prophetic well, they were doing church. They, they were doing religious worship. They were having sacrifices and ceremony. But there was no, thus saith the Lord. There was no word from God. There was no declared truth. There was no living word in the midst of God's people. In America today, we have lots of church. We have things. But how seldom do we hear the prophetic voice of God? and that declared truth. So John the Baptist come and ended the prophetic drought. They had opinions, they had ideas, they had suspicions, sect, traditions, and divisions about God, but no truth and no power. They were slaves to oppression on every level, yet declared they were free. Sounds like us today. We're, oh, we're all free. Are we free? 
We used to be free, but you look at every day, there is a law being passed or something being done that strips away, that takes away and, and diminishes the freedom that we have in people. But yeah, we'll just go on. Worst of all, when truth showed up, they ran him out of town and plotted to kill him. Jesus showed up in Nazareth. He preached in his home church. And he got up and said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Read out of our day. And they said, hey, enough of that stuff. We'll take you out, throw you off this cliff. Go on about our merry way. Wow. Think about it. I believe that we're living in just such a day. But let me just, before I go with this, you have to remember, that was the atmosphere when Jesus showed up. And so the encouraging thing about it, you look at how discouraging it was, how messed up it was then. But then that's where God showed up. He showed up in a desperate time. Amen? And when you look at our nation, I believe we're in a time we're a prime for God to show up. We think today, man, we'll get everything right. There's people think, man, we're going to exercise our dominion. We're going to exercise our authority, and we're going to get this thing all straightened out, and then God's going to come back, and we're going to present him this great thing. No. Amen. He's our Savior. We're not the Savior. Somebody ought to say amen. So, uh, See, I believe that we're also living in just such a day that we are in a position for God to show up on behalf of His people in the fulfillment of His declared Word. Our freedoms are being stripped away one by one. This his the history and the heritage of our nation and our faith is being blended in the same kind of twisted amalgamation of ideas, beliefs, and concepts where all are good but no one is right. Think about today, when you declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, people say, well, you can't say that. We have to embrace all faith. Amen. Well, that's not true. Or any other area of right. And so we're just kind of crazy on that. You know one of the things, there's just this huge, even in this election, there's this huge, let me just illustrate this. There's a huge debate over illegal immigration. And so how do you treat an illegal immigrant, just on, on that term? And they're having this great debate on how you it, it just makes in my mind, wait a minute, in the conversation, the term is, is a two-word term. The first word is illegal. It just is. It, it is illegal. And so we're trying to, how do you have, how do you give legality to something that is illegal? But yet there's a debate and a division over giving legality to what is illegal. And so we have all these different things. When we have rioting, we have other things. Well, then, and you look at it, but, but, but in our concepts and in our minds, and, and people are going, this is good and, and this is right. And, and, and uh, one of these days I'd like to meet Juan Williams, if you've ever heard him be a commentator. I'd just like to slap him. <laughs> How can you even believe? Isn't it embarrassing to argue and defend these things? How do you even think like that and defending that? We have to rethink that. Well, then just take, don't use the compound word illegal or illegal drugs or illegal this, and then find a legal way to do Are we doing all right? But we live in that place, so we have these blended concepts and twisted things that are just crazy. God's people in His church are once again without a true prophetic voice. We have a lot of preaching, but we don't have a lot of prophetic declaration. Amen. Because when the prophet speaks, sometimes you're not comfortable. And, and, and it calls it the prophet come and calls people to repentance. Prophets come and call nations to repentance. Are you with me? So this means more. Uh, in fact, I listened to a clip the other day by David Wilkerson. And, and he was preaching. I posted on my wall and stuff. But, but he was preaching on a, a fresh fire of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, years ago, everybody was calling me a radical hellfire. Thing. He said, now I'm get, he says, I was only invited to preach overseas. But he said, now America's in such a mess. I'm actually getting invited to go to churches in America again. Because when 
need that prophetic voice. We need that declared word. We need that call back. We need to remember certain things. Are you with me this morning? See, we have opinions and ideas about God, about what God can do without knowing who God is and with no real power. We have become slaves to our desires to have more only to find our lives still empty even when we have it all. I was putting this together. I went back and remembered. It's just hard to forget. But in 2010, we had the exposure of Tiger Woods. And here's a young man at just such an early age and, and broke onto the scene in the professional golf world. And, and, and when the day he became a professional, Nike signed him to a $40 million endorsement contract. Not for hitting the ball, but just because of who he is and his thing and the marketability. He, got, he began with a $40 million endorsement contract. And so out of that, he became a billionaire. In 2010, he is a multi-billionaire. And yet with everything you could possibly imagine, he's still driven by his desires and he ends up losing it all. And he's knocked off of the pinnacle of his career. At the pinnacle of his career, when he has it all, something inside of him is still not fulfilled. And so here he has this beautiful wife, he has beautiful children, and yet he's driven by his desires and he loses it and he hasn't recovered to today and the emotional stress and the emotional strain are you with me but that's america we're slaves to our desires and become more and to have more and more only to find our lives still empty even when we have it all when truth is proclaimed we still run it out of town and plot to kill it amen look at your next page See, I believe it's vitally important that we remember and maintain a true heart of expectation. When I look at our nation, you know what I see? We are ready for a revival. We're ready. We're we're at the place where Israel was. It says that in the fullness of time, Christ came. And if you look at the fullness of time, nothing was good. It looked like, man, this is impossible. How are we ever going to get delivered? But yet he showed up with the saving and redeeming power. I believe it's vitally important that we remember and maintain that heart of expectation. I believe that if we will remember, he will revive. There are certain truths and beliefs that we must fight for to preserve and hold on to in the confusion of our day. The problem of our day, problems of our day are not coming from what we know, but rather from what we no longer remember. God says, remember the former days. Remember. When we do communion, that's why just like I said, it's so powerful. We share and we stop and we Remember, I remember my sin. I remember where I was, and I remember the only way for my sin to be forgiven was for him to go to the cross, for him to be despised, to be rejected, and and, and to be put to death, and to pay the price, to carry, to become sin for me. I remember. And then when I remember that, that if he did that, he did that to redeem me. And that brings an assurance to my life that if he paid the price to redeem me, then he's not going to leave me. 
You understand that? That he is here. And so the Holy Spirit comes. And Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The one who redeemed you is always with you. So when you're facing a suddenly, when we're facing tragedy, when we're up against different things in difficult times, we need to remember. Yes, we need to remember we don't repeat mistakes that we can avoid. But we need to remember no matter what is happening around us, he is not going to leave us. He is not going to forsake us. And he will bring beauty out of ashes. He will bring restoration out of a hopeless situation. He is the God who will always revive and restore. Somebody ought to shout amen. We remember that. We hold on to that. Remembering that God so loved the world that He gave His only Son to die to save it. That a Savior was born not to live and to have, but to die and to give life and hope to the world. See, the church needs to once again find its life, its true identity by remembering what it really is. We are the body of Christ. When you get saved, if you've come to know Christ, what happened is, is you lost your identity. You are not an individual. We live in the nation of individuality. Every individual, every context wants its individual expression. We are being twisted out of shape by individual expression. We're redefining every relationship, every kind of activity is being redefined by individual expression. But we aren't individuals, we are a corporate nation. And as a body, you are put into the body of Christ. Once you get saved, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12 says, we are all baptized through baptism. We are all baptized into the body of Christ. You lose your identity. You are no longer an individual. You are a member of the body of Christ. You are set. We are members in particular. We have function and we have purpose, but our purpose is in Him, not in ourselves. Are you with me? And, and we need to remember that. This morning when you gave in the offering, what you gave, when you take of your resources and you give that to the Lord, the, it loses, it's no longer yours. It loses the identity of being your money. It's your gift to God. And now it is mixed with His. Its identity is now in His provision. And it comes back to you, not based upon what you sowed, but based upon what He has and what He provides for you according to His purpose for you as a member in His body and what his body is doing in the earth Amen. that's what Christian you're a member of the we are the body of Christ Jesus is doing his will in the earth corporately in the body I put up here first service and so you could see a little bit but maybe I'd erase it but this is Christ right here and and, and when you're saved you are you, you you little guy out here you're baptized into Christ when God sees the church he sees Christ he didn't see Sean and me and, and, and Tony or other individuals. He sees one man. He sees Christ. And we are the body of Christ. And when I, keep my, when I find my identity in Him and I live in Him, then His purpose is fulfilled for my life. Because when I understand that His purpose is greater than anything I could provide for myself, Jesus fed the multitudes to teach us that what I have for you to do is greater than what you could provide. He says, you feed them. His purpose was that they would feed them, but they did not have the provision to feed them. So he says, give me what you have. He takes what they have. He changes its identity by mixing it with his, and then he gives it back to them in multiplied form because his purpose was greater than what they had provision to provide for. Even if they pulled all their resources. And so when I understand that, if I can lose, just like that two loaves and two fishes, if I can find the faith to lose my identity and be found in Him, 
then I step into a flow of His purpose that is greater than anything I could imagine. Are you with me this morning? It's so important to understand that. But then the devil goes, no, don't worry about that. You need to live over here in your little bubble, in your little space of time. And you need to find out how to get God to stop messing with eternity and come over here and fix your bubble. That's the gospel of today, how to get God into your bubble. God says, I'm not trying to get you, I'm not trying to get into your bubble. I don't fit. I'm trying to get you into my bubble. Are you doing all right? But if I miss that, then everything gets down and, and that frustration comes. So we need to remember that. Hold on to what. Listen to what Duncan Campbell said. In 1950, Duncan Campbell was a part of a revival that swept through, through, through Wales and that. So listen, how, how many are, are through Scotland? He said this How many are willing to face the stark fact that we have been outmaneuvered by the strategy of hell? Because we have tried to meet the enemy on human levels by human strategy. In this we have succeeded in making people church conscious, mission conscious, crusade conscious, without making them God conscious. What a statement. Amen? Come on. We need to remember, God, in these times like this, we can look at all around and tragedy strikes and this is going on over here and that's going on over here and this is happening there and this thing is happening and suddenly these are happening all around. I need to hold on to being conscious of God and who He is and remember that and not let that go. Francis Chan said this. He says, the benchmark for success in the church services has become more about attendance than the movement of the Holy Spirit. The entertainment model of church was largely adopted in the 1980s and 90s, and while it has elevated, alleviated some of our boredom for a couple of hours a week, it filled our churches with self-focused consumers rather than self-sacrificing servants attuned to the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we're too familiar and comfortable with the current state of the church to feel the weight of the problem. How many know neither one of those statements are comfortable? I mean, I'm not buying that book. That's heavy. Amen. But it's true. Listen, all I'm trying to say today is that we must remember. We have to remember. We need to remember 9-11. Do you know on 9-11, 3,000 people went into those trade towers to go to work? Some of them were children in the daycare in the basement. At the same time, over 300 firefighters ran into those buildings and surrounding area to help and rescue people and lost their lives. Over 60 law, uh, law enforcement officers and, and, and that of, of the uh, city of New York went in there and lost their lives at the same time. It's tragic. We need to remember that and we need to do whatever we can do in the natural to prevent that from happening again. We need to never forget. We need to never forget. Go, well, it's been 15 years. We should just move on. No, we need to never forget. We need to never forget Pearl Harbor. We need to never forget the thing you have had. There are certain things that you do not forget. In, in the Old Testament, the, the, the Lord told the nation of Israel, said, when you cross over, you get one of the, every one of the leaders of the 12 tribes to gather a stone when you cross Jordan, and you set up stones as a memorial. A memorial means you don't forget. Adrian sent me a picture that, that in Israel, they, they, they're, they're, there's a memorial for 9-11 in Israel. I, I should have put it up and put it up there, but, but they have, they, they built, it's a 20-acre designated donated property, multi-million dollar memorial, and, and, and they took some of, of the metal 
from, from the Twin Tower and, and around the base of, of, of the sculpture there in the middle. And the sculpture is a waving flag. It's a gorgeous thing. It's a waving flag of the, the American flag. In Israel, a monument to remember, a memorial to remember 9-11. And, and around the parapet wall, around the outside, a semicircle parapet wall, is the name of every person that perished on that day. So in the nation of an ally of our, they said, we're standing with you. We have erected a memorial to remember with you what happened. And we are declaring to you that we are on your side. We are your ally and we are on your side. So remembering, there's an importance, there's a value to memorials and to remembering. But in the middle of that, there's also remembering that in the midst of an attack, in the midst of time of trial and anguish, and that we remember that God is always with us. Amen? And out of that rubble, He rebuilds even better than before. So what the world needs today is a Savior, not just a religious leader. What we need is a Savior, not just religion and entertainment. The question is, is it possible that we, that for, that we as the church can awaken to the needs of this hour? What is that? Turn with your Bibles to Isaiah 43. I turned there, we met with a pastor yesterday. Uh, we had just met last week, Pastor Vassal Pacheco. And uh, Pacheco, if I say it correctly. And just a great man of God. He is a, an immigrant from the Ukraine. He came over 12 years ago. Uh, didn't speak any English. Went to college, learned how to speak English. Got a degree. Uh, in accounting and uh, in finance. And uh, before coming over in the Ukraine, his grandfather and his father were pastors, his son, um, and come from a, a, a Christian heritage. But living in the Ukraine, he lived under persecution his whole life. He says, we were persecuted our whole life. And he was there. He, as he grew up and older, he served in the Russian military. He, he came across when he was 36. He's 48 now. And, uh, but he was there during the fall of communism. And he lived in the Ukraine during the communistic regime and the oppression that was there and the lie that they were encrusted in their whole lives was a lie. And when that failed, the people woke up and said, wait a minute, you've been lying to us our whole life. We have believed this oppressive lie of communism. And so he began to share with us just some things about that and then what happened and how they were treated and, and that. And, and, and that during that time, as they were just standing and being a witness for God and living, and they were being mocked, they were being persecuted, they just kept standing. They just kept being a witness for God. And, and, and he, made, he made this statement. And he made it concerning us in America. He says, one day, for us as the church, he says, one day we'll be right one day the church will once again be right. Because he said in the Ukraine what happened is when it fell, and communism fell, and the whole thing collapsed. It, it didn't just affect the outside people, it affected the whole church. When that collapsed, it affected everybody, every person in the Ukraine and in the surrounding region and that. And then people started coming to them, and they started saying, you were right, tell us the way. And they started listening. And he said, in the Ukraine, not in Russia, but in the Ukraine, the Christian, the influence of the Christian church has had a dramatic impact on that nation. 
in that region, the church, because of their test, because they knew they were the messenger. And so there was an element of them in, in the midst of this oppression, in the midst of this turmoil and the regime that was there, there was an element that stood as a clear witness for God. And they didn't give up. They just kept standing. They, they, and, and they endured the persecution. They endured the ridicule. And today in America, that's the way we can feel at times. We can feel like, man, I'm not going to witness. I just get persecuted. People tell me this, and we're being told by our government, by society, and all these things. But yet, I like what he said, and that's why I put it in here. One day, we will be right. One day when it fails, when it all goes apart, and that's what's so powerful. When you and I face suddenlies, one of the greatest ways to be a witness, when a suddenly comes, when a tragedy comes, how do you respond when the grace of God floods into our life? We remember, we're not facing this alone. It may have come suddenly. We may not have expected it, but God always supplies grace. He always brings us provision. There's always that part of God that shows up that causes our faith to endure, our hope to be sustaining in our lives, and our love to hold on. Amen? Hallelujah. There's an account, and uh, Isaiah 43, look at it in verse 10. The Lord declares this, says, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. Before me there, there was no God formed, nor shall there be after me. How many know God has no problem saying I'm the one? Amen. Never be embarrassed to declare he's the one. Look, he says, I, even I, am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. I have declared and saved, I have proclaimed, and there was no foreign God among you. Therefore, you are my witnesses, says the Lord, that I am God. And in our day, when things are happening in tragedy and suddenly, when we stand for God, people say, hey, how can you endure that? How can you have peace in the midst of that storm? Because you can declare because I know the one who has declared that he is God and he is my Savior. Amen? God says you're there. Indeed, before the day was, I am he. And there is no one who can deliver out of my hand. I work and who will reverse it. Look at verse 18. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. How many know rivers don't just pop up without miraculous intervention? You don't get a river in the desert. You don't get a road in the wilderness and let it's a miracle that shows up. And in our suddenly times, in those hard times, God says, that the God that I am. The beast of the field will honor me. The jackals and the ostriches. Uh, and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my prey. Come on, guys, if we'll just remember when everything's going on, whether it's a 9-11, whether it's a sudden in your life, just remember you are his people. And if we'll just rise up and declare his praise, even when we don't know how it's going to turn out and we can't figure out anything about it, that's why I told Austin, I said, Dad, what do I do? I said, Son, I don't know. I know this, though, that no matter, sometimes no matter how well you prepare, how well you plan, how well you strategize everything, but suddenly still show up. Yeah. Suddenly still show up. And you just have to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to find God in the midst of this. I'm not going to try to find the answer. I'm just going to look to God, and He's going to reveal Himself to me in the midst of this storm, in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this suddenly. God's going to show up, and I'm going to praise Him through it. Amen? What's it mean to be a witness, though? As I close, as Missy and the team come back. 
In the 1800s, the 19th century, there was a revival in Wales. And as a result of it, missionaries went out, Welsh missionaries went out into India. They went into the region of Assam. It's comprised of hundreds of tribes at that time. It wasn't broken up into uh, the boundaries and the states that it is today. And in that place, the tribesmen were called headhunters because of a social custom which required the male members of the community to collect as many heads as possible. A man's strength and ability to protect his wife was assessed by the number of heads he collected. Therefore, a young man of marriageable age would try to collect as many heads as possible and hang them on the walls of his house. Check it out, D. The more heads a man had, the more eligible he was considered. Into this hostile and aggressive community came a group of Welsh missionaries, spreading the message of love, peace, and hope in Jesus Christ. Naturally, they were not welcomed. But one Welsh missionary finally succeeded in converting a man and a wife and his two children. The man's faith proved contagious and many villagers began to accept Christianity. Angry, the village chief summoned all the villagers and then he called the family who had first converted to renounce their faith in public or face execution. He had been previously moved by the Holy Spirit to write a song. We've sung it for years. And as he and his family were being executed for their faith, this was his answer in every situation. In mid-19th century India, a man converted to Christianity by Welsh missionaries was confronted by the chief of his village. The chief commanded him to renounce his newfound faith in Christ or face grave consequences. In response to the chief's threats, however, the man only replied, Infuriated, the village chief dragged the man's family outside and began to threaten them with bodily harm. The man, unflinching, responded to the leader's ultimatum. and desperate to save face among the people, the village chief slaughtered the man's family in front of him. He turned his eyes to the steadfast convert, demanding that he either deny the works of Jesus or face his own death. In the center of the public square, the man was bound, beaten, thrown to the ground, and slowly crushed to death. But not without a final defiance of the village chief. As his bones were breaking and his lungs collapsing, the man's final words rang out in song through the village square. The call of Christ is clear. Forsake 
reject the dark and powerless system of this world and cling to the saving hope of the cross, then and only then can you look to the shackles of your former life and declare that there is no turning back. The story doesn't end there, though. With the death, with their deaths, a miracle took place. The chief who had ordered the killings was moved by the faith of the man. He wondered, why should this man, his wife and two children, die for a man who lived in a faraway land on another continent some 2,000 years ago? There must be some supernatural power behind the family. I, too, want that supernatural power. In a spontaneous confession of faith, the chief declared, I, too, belong to Jesus Christ. When the crowd heard this from the mouth of their chief, the whole village accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is the power of God in demonstration. This morning... You need to remember that. When you're going through a trial, when you're going through a struggle, there was something in him that he remembered. When he got saved, here he is in a village and in that area, and the Lord gave him that song after being saved. That I've decided in the midst of a contrary environment, I've decided to follow Jesus. Though nobody in my village and my surroundings wants to go with me, I still will follow. The cross is before me. The world is behind me. Maybe today you faced a suddenly. Maybe you faced a tragedy. Maybe you're facing pressures. But I want to encourage you today. If you will decide with an unrelentless resolve to follow Jesus. Not when it's comfortable. Not when it's easy. See, that family in Pennsylvania today and the church... I said, Austin, let's pray for this family. I said, here's a wife who suddenly has lost her husband. No explanation, just a sudden loss. So now, I have decided to follow Jesus. It's going to become a challenge. Instead of God, why did you let this happen? Questioning, doubting. You just find that resolve that says, God, I've decided a missionary watching his family be put to death. I've decided. I've decided. I encourage you today, decide to follow. I mean completely, without abandon, recklessly in that place. And then out of the testimony of your decision, others will be influenced. Just like Pastor Vassal said, people came to us and said, because you decided you never gave up under persecution, we now want to know what you know. Would you stand with me? I want everybody in this room just to pray this with me. Heavenly Father, today, I make the decision to follow Jesus. No turning back. No shadow of doubt. No pause. No restraint. No regret. Today I choose to follow Jesus. In a day 
when it may look like none will go with me, I will follow. Today I declare Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. I believe you lived and you died for my sins. I confess you as my Savior. Thank you for loving me, forgiving me. Today I choose and I decide to follow you. The cross before me, the world behind me, in Jesus' name. Come on, can we just sing this this morning?